Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. You know, when I'm doing my my counseling practice, it's me. It's it's who I am. And if you don't, you know, I'm putting myself out there. So it's my reputation as who I am as a as a counselor. Um, and that that takes a lot of vulnerability, um, which which has been the challenging part. But the rewards of being completely autonomous, of being completely responsible for working the way that I like to work but using all my all those um skills and trainings that i've learned from all the other organizations and that terrific to be back with you here as always we're proud to be sponsored by the great folk at neon treehouse neon treehouse if you haven't heard are the best digital agency on the planet earth and they're now offering humans of purpose listeners a free one hour long digital strategy consultation and report all you need to do is email josh at neontreehouse.com and enter Humans of Purpose in the subject line. Creole are now the official drink of Humans of Purpose and their delicious healthy sodas are ideal for those looking for a bubbly and refreshing alternative to sugary sodas or just a break from the booze in general. You can get 15% off all orders by heading to creole.com.au and entering discount code Humans of Purpose on checkout. As you may be aware, our new membership model is in full swing and current members like Andrew, Margaret, Ben and Misha are now enjoying great benefits via our Supercast platform, including early access to all episodes, all episodes are ad-free, full transcripts of every episode, my five key takeaways from each episode, personal audio notes on every episode and brokered introductions to podcast guests. To get your membership and support our sustainability, just hit the link in our show notes under membership or head directly to humansofpurpose.supercast.com. For values-aligned organizations out there wanting to connect with our wonderful audience, we offer a range of sponsorship or promotional packages. We offer just 10 of these per year for guests to appear on the show with a number of other promotional perks and opportunities. To learn more, just hit the link in our show notes under promotional packages or just head to humansofpurpose.com and scroll down to the middle of the page. This week, I'm thrilled to welcome Jeremy Newman to the podcast. Beyond being one of my closest mates, Jeremy has had an amazing career across entrepreneurship, music, and mental health social work. To give you a flavor of what to expect from our conversation, here is the quote that Jeremy chose for his website. Everything can be taken from a man, but the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances from the great Viktor Frankl. Jeremy is truly one of the most open-minded, empathetic, and quality humans I've been lucky enough to have in my life. It doesn't surprise me at all how well he's doing with his new private venture, counselling service Humans Being, and it's great to see him also getting great coverage in the media for his important work and wise perspectives in the space. Hope you enjoy this conversation with Jeremy as much as I did. What an absolute honour to have uh, one of my groomsmen and very good long-time mates, Jeremy Newman, with me on the podcast. Welcome, Jess. Thanks so much, Mike. It's great to be back. Do you feel like you've been waiting a long time for this call-up and finally it came and now you're here? I didn't want to say anything, but yeah, I've been <laughs> secretly uh, waiting for this call for uh, a look, long time. Look, I've noticed you mentioning Humans of Purpose a lot of the time, um, just bringing it up randomly and just, you know 
putting it out there. And, and now you're here, mate. You got your moment. It's time. It's time, time to shine. I'm one of your biggest fans. <laughs> so, you know, it's very exciting for me to be on the show. So thanks for having me. Mate, I'm a huge fan of you and everything that you do beyond our friendship. And I, I think I, I want to go back to the beginning. And one of the first things that I remember about you is your brilliant company, Superman, that you started, <laughs> where it was so simple. I, I just thought it was ridiculous. Like you made soup that was really good and you sold it to people and they enjoyed it. And that was yeah. the business. Yeah. So you've always had a sharp business mind. And then, you know, <laughs> you met my mum and you started delivering soup to the county court. And I just thought that was fantastic. Her and her <laughs> colleagues all got on board. So my mum for years has been saying to me, How's you made Superman? And I'm like, Do you mean my groomsman, Jeremy Newman? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I should note that that's you know a long time ago. Yeah, that, that part a of long my time life. ago. But yeah, it's a um, yeah happy to kind of talk about that journey. Yeah, to, get to, to that point. To talk because you got you come from an entrepreneurial family, but your mm. mental health interests are also been sort of um, strong over time from from the early days. But how did you get into business, and how does your how did your business mind start ticking in the first place? Mm. Yeah, good good question. So. I guess it all probably started for after school. Like my first degree was was doing a bachelor of business, and um, I studied that and completed that, and then went into um, my first job, which was in marketing. And um, I never really felt I loved the job. I was in the travel industry, travel adventure was industry, that Gap inspired adventures. Yeah, yeah, which turned into G Adventures. Yep, and I've always you know, seeked jobs where I can get the most out of it. And, you know, once a year they sent you on a trip and I got to go to sure, Africa. I, remember. I still have your email in my um, in my email list. This Jeremy inspired, G inspired or whatever it was, travel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was great. But then I was kind of like reassessing where I'm at and, and kind of um, felt like, you know, did a lot of um, evaluation of my values and what I stand for and what I, how I want to live my life and, and kind of felt like, you know, marketing wasn't really consistent in line with those values and started exploring other avenues. Um, and at that point, I always enjoyed um, psychology and counseling and I studied it at school um, and decided to follow that desire um, and that dream. And I went back to study psych. Um, and during my studies, I was a poor student um, and I needed to find a way to make income. And, you know, that point I was getting into mindfulness and really enjoying the slow movement that was coming into place, um, you know, slow cooking, slow travel. You can do basically anything slow. You just slow it right down, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you make it sound, <laughs> make it sound simple, yeah. Um, no, but back in the day, that, w- that was like a real thing, wasn't it? The, the slow, slowing down movement. Yeah, and it's still quite – it's becoming ever, ever popular. Now you're getting a lot of the um, – like the slow travel is, is a big thing now, like mm. going on the trains mm. and, um, you know, even slow cooking is becoming – it's still becoming ever, you know, even more popular. Um, and my background is, is being, you know, is come from a culturally Jewish background mm. um, and soup is, is very much part of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Traditional meals. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, we, we, you know when you've, you're feeling sick or ill, you know, you, your mum or it's your – penicillin. My grandmother was always a great um, cook, although her sister, Auntie Golda, who, uh, you know, long do we miss her, her, um, her chicken soup was always apparently the superior chicken soup, which was much to my grandma's chagrin. Mm, don't ever tell your mum or your grandma that. <laughs> yeah, and so soup in, in the culture is like you know it's it's there's a, there's also a 
it's consistent with what I was feeling. Like, you know, if someone's not well, it's, it's a healing, therapeutic, um, giving approach. And um, I started cooking soup for people out of pleasure and everyone was giving me amazing feedback. Like, your soup is, is, is awesome. Um, and there started Superman, where I started a side business while I was studying my psych to you know, go. Um, I started... Um, I got inspired by this guy in the States who I saw was doing a, um, a he was called the Soup Peddler. And he, this is pre um, Uber Eats and Yeah, Uber yeah, of course. Way all, before all that stuff. Way before that stuff ever. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy made soup and he rode around on a bike and delivered soup to the local neighborhood. Yeah. And I'm like, this is amazing. I you love You should this. have done that, man. I think, I feel like the car was a cop out for you. Yeah. <laughs> And this is the interesting thing about starting a business. You you kind of get this this idea, and you you share the idea with people, and people can often people can't understand or comprehend the the vision that you see, and they can really easily shut that down, and it can really impact your 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 desire and your um your motivation to 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 kind of live that dream of what you're wanting to create. Um, and that's what my experience was. I kind of would talk to people about it. I'm like, I'm thinking of this like food delivery idea. Yeah. Driving around on my bike and delivering. And then like everyone's like, You're you're crazy. Isn't that weird that like you were thinking that many years before Deliveroo and Uber Eats? And like, <laughs> could you imagine the life we're living now where you can just have whatever you want delivered to? Yeah, uh, in hindsight, I wish I kind of thought about um, you know, the Uber <laughs> model. <laughs> but um anyway. Long and behold, came Superman, where I started started to go. I got my ingredients all organically and try to push that, um, you know, that that real organic, natural um, movement. Um, it was pretty crazy when I think about what I used to do. But anyway, I started Superman, went to farmers market, sold it there, and it just grew quite quickly. Where I had people who would come to the farmers market buy my product. They're like, oh, I work at a I work at a cafe. Can you do my cafe? I'm like, sure. I was probably like 25 or 26 at the time. And then they're like, can you, um, you know, then I had one guy come to me and said, can you, I've got a, I'm the manager in an old age home. Can you start delivering 300 liters of soup a week to our old age home? And I think this is the point where I, um, I was young and I was, you know, would have had to invest quite a bit into it to get to that capacity. And I broke up with my girlfriend at the time. I wasn't in the best place. And, I was working seven days a week and wasn't feeling like I was living a good work-life balance. And then I decided just not to sell it, get rid of it. And I think that's when I went to South America with you. Yeah, I remember. Good times. And we, we climbed the Machu Picchu together, did the trail over five days. You saw the toughest side of me you've probably ever seen. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you would have thought before that that um, there's no way this is a guy that can handle the outdoors. You, you're a real outdoorsman yourself, but mm. you would have seen me just smashing those long hikes and galloping along. And, um, yeah, I mean, the Sherpas did something. They set up all the tents and did all the hard work. But I, I think really um, a lot of credit should go to me for leading that expedition. Yeah. Sure. Take it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what struck me about that that trip that was really interesting, and I I think this is how I knew you were going to go down the psych, mental Mm. health, social work path, was we had these long, really uh, intense philosophical, ethical (laughs) conversations. Mm. And I think we both pissed each other off a lot, which was great fun. (laughs) (laughs) But you are a man who's always loved uh, to ask the big questions and Mm. and to be provocative, but also to find truth in complex things. Mm. Um, so, you know, at that stage, um, you're in an interesting place and what made you decide to, to go 
deeper in the counseling and the mental health social work yeah so i guess i finished that travel trip adventure with you which was was an incredible experience great adventure um and i guess i wanted to finish that journey of of wanting to help people in a more meaningful way Mm. and i remember one of my earliest experiences of what motivated me to keep going on this pathway was i think when i was five years old um i remember being at the hospital i think it was for my one of my grandparents i was there and i was in the waiting room in the cafe and i saw this old man i don't know he looked like when i was five years old he looked like he was 130 but it was probably 60 years old (laughs) um but he was quite fragile and he was trying to open this can of soup and i saw him just like shaking and, and just really struggling to open it and i just had this i just went over to him and i said hey like you know can can i help you open it and he said yes please and i opened it for him and he 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 just kind of said to me at the moment was like thank you so much you're such a you're such a beautiful boy and it just really and he said you're such a beautiful boy and i remember that moment so clearly and i remember the feeling i had of this incredible warmth and um, I remember even like getting a bit tearful of how powerful it was it felt to help someone and generally see that that appreciation and gratefulness in someone else and I remember just that feeling of like how motivating it was for me from then thinking oh it feels so good to help someone I want to do that over and over again and it sounds kind of selfish saying that, but like you know, I want to help people because it makes me feel good no, about myself. No, bro, but I think it's uh, it's altruism. I mean, mm. nobody would have come up with the idea of doing good for others if it didn't feel good in some way in the first place. I think exactly. It's an evolutionary thing, also. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So there started the motivation for wanting to to help people, and then I, I was exploring career options of how I can fill that desire of wanting to help people. And there's so many ways to do it, but for me, counselling um, was something that felt quite natural to me of, of listening to people, hearing people, connecting with people. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, went down the pathway of studying psych. Um, I ended up um, doing it, then doing a master's in, in social work and then doing another two years of becoming an accredited mental health social worker um, and then got into the field of, of, yeah, working with people and their mental health. It's fantastic. It's a, it's a beautiful the, – the way you map out that journey is just really interesting too. And, mm. um, you know, I also wonder – I mean, often personal experience ties into sort of why we make some of the choices that we make. And uh, you've, you've talked to me briefly before about, you know, struggling a bit with anxiety in, in high school and mm. just wondered how that sort of played into, um, you know, some of your decision-making as well. And maybe there was a sense there of wanting to, to help do what wasn't done for you maybe at that stage of your life. Yeah, yeah, you're spot on, Mike. Um yeah, like, and during high school, um, you know, for me, which was back in the, the early 2000s, um, yeah, I, I had I definitely remember I had some difficult moments and experienced quite, quite a lot of anxiety um, from those experiences and trying to manage with that. But 
at that time during high school, I was flown under the radar and we didn't have these services or even knowledge around anxiety that we have today. We didn't have services like Headspace or, um, you know, or, or even just the psychoeducation around what anxiety is. And, um, and I felt a lack in response to the, to, to that, um, experience that I had. And it really inspired me to want to ensure that young people don't have that experience that I had, that if they're going through a difficult time through their high school um, or their, which is a really tricky time for most people. Um, yeah. It's inspired me to, to want to give back to others to make sure they don't have that same experience that I had. Um, so I spent a lot of my time when specializing, working with young people and I did a lot of work with Headspace, which was awesome to, to work with that organization um and yeah and, and went from there yeah it's 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 truly awesome story and and i mean so it's led you to a place now where you, you've done mental health social work in a number of different contexts for schools for councils and whatnot and then you've made your way to um humans being so would mm. love to hear a bit about sort of that journey and um you know, I mean, we can talk about some of the other things you've done as well because you've got obviously the Something Blue Band as well as a <laughs> yeah. side project and a yeah. few other businesses going. Yeah. So um, what do you want to tackle first because I think both are interesting. Yeah. Because um, music's played a big role in your life and I think that's sort of part of the origin story in a way too. Mm. Yeah, I guess music was a second business, so I'm happy to, to kind of give a bit of a... Let's jump back to that, that and then we'll yep. jump back into the pathway into um, humans being. Sounds good. Yep. Love a good jump. <laughs> um, so humans um, being is, is the current um, business. I mean, but something Blue Band was was interesting. So yeah, like, like I said, I've been a musician since I was 16. I've been playing and, and it's been amazing. I feel really lucky that I've had this they've got this balance of having a creative outlet. I think it's really important for people to find this creative outlet, whatever it is. Um, and for me, it's music and it's been awesome to deal with, um, work with counseling, which is quite intense and emotionally heavy, but I have that balance of um, music to kind of uh, balance that out, which I'm, and we can chat about more that that's kind of that self care later, if you like. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, but so <laughs> always been a musician been playing in, in and out of bands and um touring and um playing with original bands and um i had my wedding in 2014 and i couldn't find a band that you know being quite a perfectionist <laughs> and high expectations i couldn't find a band that that fit, like that felt right for um what i wanted so i thought well i know a lot of musicians and similar to to Superman, there was an opportunity there. I saw a, a, a need, so I created something. And I'm like, well, I'm going to get all the best musicians that I know, put them together. The dream team. The dream team, exactly. Yeah. Dream team of uh, Jewish uh, weddings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I got them all together and I said, look, guys, I want you to play my wedding. And they were all super excited, put the band together, had an eight-piece band with three horn sections. Yeah. Was that with May in the band back May, in the day? Yeah. yeah, had May in the band. And there started the Something Blue Band and it just took off from there and I started promoting it. And with, you know, quite naturally it just really took off and um, 
You're just that. you're just a bloody natural entrepreneur. Like everything, you could shit a new business idea tomorrow, <laughs> and it would dominate. <laughs> it's just unbelievable how you're able to come up with things, but then you've got like a unique way of seeing things and being able to pull the pieces into place to just make it work. And maybe it's something you refined since the Superman, but mm. you know, I just feel like everything you touch has such system to it, and you like also intuition. You know, mm. you kind of know what you think is going to work and then you just adjust and it just does, it works. Mm. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know where to go with that. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, I think that's that's the advantage of, I guess, you know, like I said, when, when I was younger, they're having a bit of anxiety. Like the advantages of anxiety is that it gets you to really think and you know, it's predicting all those scenarios that can happen. So it gets you really well versed in overthinking situations and thinking of what particular scenarios can happen. And, you know, when I was younger, I didn't really know how to manage that. But obviously, as I get older throughout my journey, I've learned how to kind of um, work with that and not get overwhelmed by all those thoughts, but kind of um, sit with that and use it to my advantage to explore the scenarios. Yeah, I think you're probably the first guest to talk about the positive side of anxiety. That's really <laughs> a novel, awesome concept. But, I mean, you know, we should talk about stuff like that more, shouldn't we? I mean, there, there are just, you know, there's a duality to mental health that's really interesting and, you know, um, what makes us weak can also make us really strong. Exactly right. And I talk a lot about that with my clients that, you know, there's often, often this, you're right, there's this stigma and, and conception that emotions that are, can be discomfort uncomfortable are bad and um i don't necessarily see emotions as good as bad or sensations as good as bad i see them as just a sensation or mm. a thought is a thought a feeling is a feeling yeah and it's only that kind of um, preconceived idea that makes it a problem um so yeah i think and, and anxiety is they're, they're all it's a it's a it's an emotion that's important for us you know there's mm. definitely those advantages of giving us the motivation to do things and giving us that kind of adrenaline when we need to kind of push ourselves. So there's there's definitely those advantages. It only becomes a problem when we get stuck on those yep. ideas and stuck on those feelings and want to try and get rid of it and we're trying to avoid it and that's when problems start. But, um, yeah, naturally anxiety is, is, is healthy. It's just, um, yeah, the relationship we have with it is, is what needs to be understood. What, what would you say the positive sides of depression are? <laughs> That's a good it's a bit question. of a self-serving question, but I, I'm curious. Um, I can I can tell you what I think they might be. Yeah, go for it. Um, understanding your mood states a lot better mm. and being conscious of them, mm. so you can be a lot more in tune with where you're at emotionally. Mm. Um, you can really be very happy and appreciate what life is like when you're not depressed, That's um, so, yeah. which is huge. It's yeah. really just like you know so important and. Um, something to to really savor mm. um what else can i say yeah i think i think it's really that and the the, the love and the the zest for life is what i would say is you know you, you remember your down times it makes you so much more grateful for the good times yeah and that's what exactly what came to my mind is mm. thinking about the, the the kind of the yin and the yang it's like you can't appreciate the light until you see the dark and um that's exactly what you're saying mm. and yeah and that's um you know when you're experiencing in depression it kind of makes you appreciate that so much more and when you're in a kind of when you're kind of in a bit of when you have that state where you're feeling a bit more engaged a bit more present a bit more positive 
you really can embrace that and appreciate that. You've been a bit like me in your journey where you've done really well in organisations where you've been empowered and had autonomy to sort of do mm. things your way. And mm. I think part of the the challenge for types like yourself and me mm. is that we probably are um, born entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. We're people who problem solve in our own unique ways. Mm-hmm. We have different ways of working and doing things and this can sometimes lead to difficulty um, working for other people who might have other ways of doing things. But do, do you kind of feel that way, that you, you're you sort of born to be an entrepreneur or to work for yourself um, and that's kind of your default natural setting? Yeah, great, great question, Mike. I think essentially what you're picking up on is that you and I are quite similar in that way, that, that we're quite, we're, the way we think of we're change makers. And being a change maker is sometimes perceived in organizations as being a troublemaker. A hundred percent. And that's been my experience in, in a lot of organizations where, you know, I can come into a role being really excited and like we're looking at their policies and procedures and the way they do things. And I'm like, hey, this is ways I think we can do things better. This is ways that we can do things more efficiently. And Unfortunately, some organisations, if it's not the right culture, culture, culture fit, yeah, to to for that um, perspective on things, it can be perceived as a threat. Yeah, and when it's perceived as a threat, that creates tension. Oh, you're spot on. Um, the the threat buzzer is sort of just loud. Like every organisation I've worked in, that's a good fit or a bad fit. There's always this period of, hey, here's the new guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a different take on things. Mm-hmm. He's he might be a threat. Yeah. Uh, I think I think you and I probably both get the hairs up on people's backs a little bit early mm-hmm. with that kind of thing. But it, yep. isn't that weird that like a new way of seeing things or being able to question everything is kind of seen as threatening? It's so weird. I would have and, thought it's just analytical and good. And, and spot on. And, and and another conversation that I find we've had a lot of the time is is – you know, you can walk into an organization that on paper looks so well suited to who you are and yeah. what you believe in and what your values are. And what it comes down to is your manager. And so true. If the manager is threatened by your your um your ideas and your even your competence, maybe. Your competence. Yeah. Um that can be really challenging and the impacts on that are massive and i i speak to a lot of people who, who experience this and and the tolls of that of feeling you know you're here you are you're coming you're excited you're wanting to make change and your experience is is completely shut down you can be really um you know you start questioning your your own skills you can be really um can be really deflating um, totally. And I think, you know, you've hit the nail on the head. You, your relationship with your manager is the number one mediator of workplace satisfaction mm. or job satisfaction. Mm. So if you don't trust your manager and your manager doesn't trust you, you're mm. cooked, basically. 100%. 100%. Um, those are the two magic ingredients from my experience. And <laughs> I think it is it is really interesting because I have seen you go into some great organizations yes. and think, oh, this is going to be just a dream for Jez. Yes. Um, and then, you know, your experience is colored by really poor management. And I think this is what a lot of organizations that are good struggle with. Mm. Um, good organizations often have really bad middle or senior managers mm. and they just don't understand how to get the best out of young, bright people. Um, and that's that's just a you know that that's just an aside, but yeah. So y- like 
in transitioning from working across a number of mental health organisations to humans being. Yes. Is that like, just does it feel right? Yeah, yeah. So, look, don't get me wrong. I've worked in some organisations that are just fantastic mm. and had some of the, some really incredible managers. That you really work for some great organisations too, like, you know, Headspace, Origin, you know, the list goes on and on, McKinnon. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but, you know, ultimately, um, like you've kind of – referred to earlier on is um there's the natural move for me was to get to get the experience and then um start working for myself and start my own clinic and start my own practice and that's been really liberating uh to to kind of and, and quite you know to be honest it's, it's actually been quite a vulnerable experience um we're having a bit of chat before the before mm. the the podcast we got when we went live we'll was chatting to you about how this is different to other businesses I've had, where other businesses like Superman and we well, don't have the same emotional people. baggage to, to carry around. I mean, soup is emotional, but in a different way, right? Yeah. So I've got a product. Yeah. And my my business is the product. Mm. Um, people don't like the product. It's not. It's not. You know, it's just okay. Whatever. It's like too like much salt, not enough oregano. Yeah. You know, like yeah, it's, people, it's not a big deal. People are fussy. Um, <laughs> you know, like nowadays I'd be worried to be doing Superman with all the dietary crimes would be really <laughs> yeah, complicated. Yeah. Are you sure but, this is celiac? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, when I'm doing my my counselling practice, it's me. It's it's who I am. And if you don't, you know, I'm putting myself out there. So it's my reputation as who I am as a, as a counsellor. Um, and that that takes a lot of vulnerability, um, which, which has been the challenging part that – the rewards of being completely autonomous, of being completely responsible for working the way that I like to work, but using all my all those um, skills and trainings that I've learned from all the other organisations, and that um, you know the, the duty of care, and um, that's that's been the best part um, of starting humans being um and it's 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 amazing and it's such a it's such an incredible and unique experience to to have the honor and the privilege of working with an individual who is happy to just um share their in unique intimate experience with you with stuff they've probably never told anyone in their life mm. and having that kind of cognitively intimate experience with them to kind of work through what's going on um, and and help them achieve uh, to work towards their goals and a better life to live. Uh, and that reward of, of seeing that growth and seeing those changes in the clients and getting that feedback from, um, you know, them and their parents. You know, I had a mother come in even today to be, to be like, oh, I'm just coming in to, to pay for my son's appointment Um you know, and started telling me, like, as a mother, I can't tell you how happy I am that they're they're in your, you know, they're seeing you, and they've changed so much, and I've seen that growth, and that the rewards from that, like, that's why I do what I do. It's yeah, incredible, that's huge. and it makes me feel um, amazing, and um, makes me love what I do. Mm. 
but it has its challenges. It's exhausting. It's yeah, yeah. man. I, like I see you carry a lot around. Like, and you know, um, I, I'm interested to learn a bit about how you. Like, I know because we're mates, but how do you kind of uh, re- replenish your cup when it's starting to get empty? And how do you carry all of that? If you're seeing, you know, many clients a day, all with their own unique challenges and often very difficult confronting situations that you're talking to them in. Um, mm-hmm. And you're, you're an emotional, sensitive guy, so I know you absorb a lot of it. How do you replenish the cup? Yeah, it's a great question. And I guess what you're asking comes down to the question of self-care and that you know, like that's some, as, as, as a therapist, that's something that's really important because you're giving a lot and you're receiving a lot and you're exerting a lot of emotion and receiving a lot of emotion. And um, I, I believe personally that it's so important to practice what I preach. And the I love the analogies of the bucket. And the, the more full my bucket gets and having two kids and having two businesses, my bucket's pretty damn yeah, full. And, and a wife, you know. like And a wife. It's yeah. a lot. And a family, you know. And a family and having you as a friend. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot. I'm sure I add a lot to your bucket. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that – and it comes down to, okay, so like and people ask me, how do you fit in your self-care? Um, and it's just really important that the, the – the greater the 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 the, the full of the bucket, the, the the more the more you've got to kind of put effort into that self care. So that's how I, I manage things. And it's you know people often ask, how do you find the self care in such a busy lifestyle? Um, and I guess I I put a lot of priority into the self-care because I know how important it is. So, for example, my busy lifestyle means that, okay, I love going for runs, for example, and that's how I kind of reduce my stress. So it just means that, okay, so I used to just run whenever and have the luxury, but now I don't have that luxury. So I'll, I'll wake up at 6 a.m. before the kids get up, so I'll go for my run in the morning. Um, you know, I love my outdoors, as you mentioned before, and being outdoor is the most, I find, the most um kind of rejuvenating refreshing um experience yeah i can totally see you um running some kind of wilderness retreat uh, <laughs> either therapeutic or not maybe just for yourself and your family but <laughs> that's know, maybe you, on the yeah. on the on the strategic plan yeah. in the future. yeah you're, you're definitely a man of the the outback or the forest <laughs> yeah. yeah so so what i'll do is I'll, I'll i'm lucky that i can take my daughter with me i'll get her on the backpack and on a, on, on a saturday morning or a sunday morning or we go for a hike around the, the nongs and she loves it and we, I love it. So it's finding the time to, to get that um, experience. Um, I'll try and meditate. I'm all about kind of trying to slow down. So I'll find the transitions between going from work to going home and I'll just um, maybe do a little 10-minute meditation at the end of my day just so I can slow down and then go home. And I've got a bit of, and this is, you know, for your listeners at home, some good strategies, especially if you're working at home, is – um, I found it really important to that when you're working, I put on my work clothes and, um, when I'm not working, even if I'm at home, I'll put on my work clothes. Um, and when I'm not working, I take them off. And that's a, a bit of a psychological self care is when, I, as soon as I get home, I take off my cl- my work clothes. And that for me is like a, Oh yeah. It's a shedding of the work skin. Totally yes. get that. Yeah. I think for me, it's more just like shutting the computer, you know, like once yeah. the computer is shut, you know, five, five thirty. There's only fun computering from after that point. It's not. It's not work emails. It's not work research. Um, yes. 
could be a bit of podcasting stuff, but not usually. Yes. Um, so having that separation. So, and I think I've been lucky that because I work in a co work space um, almost every day, the whole day, um, I've got the physical separation as well, which we all used to have. Beautiful. Yeah. Love that. It's really, really important. How do you, I mean, was it hard for you to kind of negotiate or find the time to do those things that you know you need to do with, you know, you just had your second kid a little while ago? So, yeah. It's been it's it's challenging, mm. um, and I guess it's about just having good communication with my wife and trying to find the time to do that. Um, the other thing I did, which has probably been one of the best things, is you know a challenge that everyone faces is is how much do I need to work? And a decision I made was that okay, well I'm in private practice now. Um, I guess what I decided to do was do I need to be working five days? And I decided, no, I don't, I don't think I do. And it's, it's, be, it's, it's a challenge that everyone faces. It's like, oh, I could be making X amount more of money if I worked five days. But how much can you put on that extra day that you have to spend on your own or spend with the family, which I end up doing, and having that day to spend with, with my kids and my wife? And um, that's the decision I made is that I'm, I'm going to work four days a week. Um, and that's been a huge shift. I think I actually think that we're all going to end up, all of us, like we'll work four days a week. Um, maybe not now, yep. but it's like I was talking to another um, podcast guest coming up, who's you know in human resources, and she, she was mm-hmm. sort of saying like, you know, everyone used to work seven days a week, yeah, and then we all decided randomly it's going to be five days. Yep, a lot of countries it's still six days. Yes. I think we're on a trend down to four days because, as you say, the, the social utility of that additional day to spend with family, um, friends, loved ones, it's so replenishing that we kind of know also from data that your other four days are going to be more productive and more mm-hmm. enjoyable if you have that three-day weekend. 100%. And you're seeing this trend happening and there's this big movement about mm. the four-day week and it's, yep. it all stems from the Industrial Revolution yep. where you're working – six days and then they put in the five-day bill <laughs> and we're still stuck on that five-day bill yeah. from, from then. Punch so. in, punch out kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what, we, what we're seeing is that people aren't as productive, people mm. aren't as um, efficient, people aren't as happy. Are you happier working four days? Certainly, 100%. Yeah. Um, it's important for you, I feel. Really important. I'm really lucky that I've got my um, clinic that's it's five minutes from my house. I jump on my bike, I ride to work, yeah. ride home. Yeah. Um, and... Being four days, I, I, I work really hard in that four days. You know, I'm there probably from nine till nine till six. Yeah. Um, even later some nights. Um, but I get home and I get to see, see my kids, put them in bed, uh, which is really important. And, you know, I take them to, to creche and kinder some days. But then I've got a, three days that I can hang out with them. And within that, I balance some time to myself. I'll go for a, Go for a hike or I'll spend some time in nature. Go for a kayak. That's my, my new thing. I'm a little kayak. Congratulations. It's a blow-up kayak. How's it all going? It's great. So where do you take it? Um, well, we went to the Grampians recently, which yep. is awesome. You like camping a lot, hey? That's one of your things. I love being in nature. That's that's one of the big differences between us. I like nature temporarily. You, you like <laughs> to be there all the time. <laughs> 
It's we just live in such a busy, distracting world. And personally, we're so distracted. Interpersonally, we're distracted. When we're talking to each other, we're distracted. Yeah. I'm not distracted right now. I love talking to you. You're not. You're very present. I'm very, very present. Yeah. You never seen me this present. I have never seen you this present. <laughs> that's why <my> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's what's unique about my work is that yeah. people don't often have this. Your work is probably like this all day, except much more intense topics and more troubled people. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But not everyone has this opportunity to you experience it. Not everyone has the opportunity to spare, have an hour with someone where they can firstly be themselves mm. and have someone just listen to them non-judgmentally, no bias. Um, it's a really unique experience. It's a really special, especially in this day and age. Um, there's not many people where you can chat to and just talk about yourself and not have judgment or bias oh, to you. Jez, I love it. I mean, I've talked to you before about the fact that I have a counsellor that I talk to about, depending on what I'm going through at the time, but probably a 40-minute session uh, fortnightly or yep. once a month. Yeah. And she's just, yeah, fantastic. Um, it's always been remote. I've never actually met her in person, but yep. it is such an important relationship for me. Yeah, and I, and I love your openness around it, Mike. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that's so important. And yeah, especially after COVID, we're seeing more and more people oh. talk about it. And I tell everyone that I think everyone should see a counselor once in their life. It's essentially just self development yeah. for being a better version of yourself. Totally, it's like people don't think twice about going to gym, and mm-hmm. they think their body and their muscles are important. What about your brain? Uh, and your emotions and your way of relating to other people. Do you not think that's important? Um, Exactly. You're going to spend all of your life just trying to navigate um, this ocean of other people and humanity and trying to, you know, impact people in positive ways. Like the secret to that is understanding yourself. Yes. So why wouldn't we all be putting time into that? It's just, it's amazing to me that people don't all see someone. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's sad that there's there's that stigma yeah. about. Oh, there's definitely a stigma. Like I talk about it to bust stigma partially um, because I just don't think um, the stigma. I think I think the stigma is more stupidity than anything. Mm. Um, you know, the truth is we all need to talk about how we're feeling, what we're going mm. through, and our challenges. Sometimes people just outsource that to friends or partners. Mm. Can. I mean, I'd be curious to get your feedback, but I think sometimes that creates unhealthy dependencies and on relationships mm-hmm. and takes them where they don't really need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you feel that, or do you, yeah. yeah? I totally agree, and I think I think that's a point where people might need to realise that um, when they're starting to, you know, try to rely on getting that support from others and kind of trying to throw their issues onto other people and get that support from other people, but realizing they're kind of ruminating on the same thing over and over again, that that's maybe a sign or that, that you need to kind of, there's a time and a place to kind of um, get the support from their friends. But then maybe if it's becoming really frequent, then maybe that's a time to kind of talk to someone that, that it may be a professional about it or mm. just so, at least someone that's happy to, um, that's not going to burden in that sense if it's kind of impacting their, their friendships. Now, just to pick your brain on, I think, an important topic for, for listeners or anyone else who might stumble across this, mm. how can one know if one needs to seek professional help and needs to sort of engage with a counsellor? Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's a big question, Marky. Um, and I guess to answer that so generally, um, 
you know, I guess when it comes to mental health, like, I guess mental health is only an issue if it becomes a problem in your life, if it's impacting you, if you're not being able to live the life that you want to live, um, if you find that you can't be yourself or you can't act in particular ways or behave the way that you want to behave in certain situations, if there's thoughts, I like to talk about the difference between reflecting and thinking about situations or are you ruminating? So going over the scenario over mm. and over again and you can't get unstuck from that. Do people know what ruminating is and that they're doing it a lot of the time or is it sort of you have to um, help them diagnose that? Um, I think I think it's important to get awareness around that. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that sort of repeated cyclical thinking about the same thing and just going around on that kind of hamster wheel. Yeah, and I think some. I think most people realize it at some point. It's kind of that being in that automatic pilot mode where yeah. you kind of just, you know, you, you're driving to work and you get to work and you're like, oh my god, how did I get here? I've been stuck in thinking about X, Y, and Z this entire time. Yeah. So people realize, um, but might not realize that it's an issue. Mm. Um, and if you're ruminating, if you're stuck on thoughts and you just can't get unstuck from it, and you're trying different things and you try have a break and you try talking to your friends about it and your friends are like you know, I don't know what to say or, <laughs> you know, not, not, just not feeling yourself. And then maybe that's the time to, to reach out. Um, you know, again, it's just like if there's other things going on. So if there's more depressive symptoms, for example, so you're finding that you're just, you know, you're isolating a bit more and your response is, is if you're avoiding things So avoidance can become cause problems when you're just not avoiding wanting to kind of approach situations. Yeah. So it's maybe a bit of awareness of how you're thinking, mm-hmm. you're, you're like your mode of thinking, but also are there behavioral um, misfunctions or things that you're doing differently to what you would normally do? Yeah. And, you know, you're finding that you're, you're isolating yourself. Yeah. You're finding that you're not talking, reaching out to people. You're finding getting in cycles where you're feeling sad and, and worthless and maybe that's time to be like, Okay, maybe that's that. Maybe I need to reach out to someone. Um, yeah, but it's hard to kind of respond to that generally. But yeah, I guess to to summarize that, the, the the response would be like if you're not able to live the life that and and that you want to be living, or you can't live towards your values, or you can't perform the way you want to be performing. If it's problematic for you, then that's a sign that okay, there's there's something going on. Um, and it might be worth the first step is chatting to your GP about it or chatting to your family about it and just saying, like, this is what's going on. What, what do you think? Um, and then they, you can get some, get, get some movement from there. Jez, fantastic conversation, mate. As Great always, so I don't think we, ever, we don't have many bad conversations. This is really <laughs> enjoyable. Um, how can people uh, connect with you and learn a bit more about your work? Yeah. So, um, you know, if people want to connect, um, with um, some counseling support and and want to you know I'm happy for your listeners if they if they're not sure whether they should seek counseling support or not I'm happy to come for them to email me my email is info at um, humans being h u m a n s b e i n g dot com dot au um, happy to kind of ask respond to any questions or queries what's your website yep it's humansbeing.com.au. dot com dot au I should have picked that up from the email. 
Yeah, it's fairly obvious. You sent me a form. I put it on your form, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk about your processes. <laughs> oh my god, my inefficiency rivals that of Bolivia. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yes, fantastic. And if somebody listening um, has children or is about to have a Jewish wedding and they want to hire the best Jewish <laughs> band there is out there, where should they go? <laughs> should get you on my, um, you know, marketing team. You're great. Um, yeah. So the band is called. Uh, something blue band and it's just something blue band.com.au um, and to clarify you don't just do jewish, jewish weddings no. you do all sorts of weddings is there we do a non-discrimination clause in there very much so <laughs> <laughs> you do it with the heart and soul of the judaism which is fantastic yes we do have a lot of energy yeah a lot of soul yep a lot of funk yep um and you yeah. played my wedding you did a great job so no, no complaints there and happy to give you the the raging endorsement my friend it did it did and it was a great wedding oh, great and then thank you so much for coming on and sharing so openly it's much appreciated thanks so much mike it's always a pleasure and i love the work that you're doing and i hope your listeners appreciate that too thanks mate cheers If you enjoyed this episode make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products, or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.